Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad. I'm Erwin McManus, and it's good to be here today. It is good to be here. Today, we have an exciting topic. But before we jump into it, I just want to do a couple of things. All right. Wherever you listen or watch the podcast from, we say hello. And we also thank you for emailing us and following us on Instagram at Battery Podcast on Instagram, on IG. Follow us, DM us, tag us. I've been really slow on the emails, but a lot of it has just been so encouraging. And so if you've sent a note that's been encouraging, thank you so much. If you've sent a note saying that we are crazy for for not being for democratic socialism, Thank you very much. Thank if, you for listening. Thank you for listening. If if you've been coming at me for saying that uh, my my conservative comments, thank you very much. Uh, I will say this though, people are listening because now I don't get as much hate. I I still do get a little hate. We could talk about it, but I I get more of this thing that is like, hey, I, I permission to disagree, and it's like this, it's like this, like, hey, we're we're fighting, but we're not fighting. But today we want to talk about something really special. Well, what's amazing to me is that I lived my life with a lot of hate. You, and yeah. now you seem to be the magnetic source. Yeah, you don't get as much <laughs> so, of it anymore. It feels like that, is, that blessing has been passed and, uh, to your children. and your. Ch- <laughs> but I just want to note for uh, no real relevant reason that sure. we um, had a blue moon, first one in almost our lifetime, and then we had Friday the 13th. So Things are getting weird over <laughs> here. Come on. I don't know all the implications of all of that, but I just thought I would <laughs> highlight that. People are now, this is, this is going to be the headline. Erwin and Aaron McManus, astrologists, <laughs> mystic believers. Well, then they would just call us magi. Magi. I said we were more like the magi <laughs> than, than the other ones. But okay, so today we have something really special that we want to talk about to kind of add to, to this idea of starting from scratch. We started it in the last podcast with Joshua Rhodes. Mm-hmm. It was really me and you starting, and then you had to go, and then Joshua was here. We've gotten great feedback. But even on an earlier podcast, we did the whole episode on starting from scratch, and we felt like this is a really good topic. It's a good point of conversation. We should have people come who yes. are starting things from scratch or have started things from scratch yes. and add this as a, almost like a a, uh, a a subtopic underneath Battle Ready. Yes. And so, and we'll have a few different ones. We, yeah. we have, we've had a couple of different ideas on like what we should do because we were, we were going to invite an, a few friends and then we, I was like, they're not starting from scratch. They, 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 built, they built something gigantic. But I have some coming who... Um, the husband and wife had a couple of thousand dollars in the bank. Uh, they were almost okay. completely broke. Okay. And then, That's not completely broke. Being broke is having no money in the bank. <laughs> well, almost completely broke, I said. Okay, okay. All right. And within 10 years, they grew a company to $1.2 billion that they sold. And we're hopefully bringing on a few other guests that we are really close with to kind of talk about this idea of starting from scratch. Yeah. I think it really fascinates me. How do you mm-hmm. build something from nothing? But today we're going to focus. So this is so this is the announcement. We're inviting guests onto probably more 2021 battle ready. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really exciting for us. We don't consider Mariah McManus a guest. No, she's like a reoccurring star. And if we ever get Kim McManus, she's not a guest because she's a McManus. So. She did actually text me this morning and said. Battle ready today, but that can, means can, she has an agenda. <laughs> that means she has an agenda. So I'm that gonna. Means she l- wants to raise money for a school in Malawi. Yes, it does. So I'm gonna not <laughs> respond till later because she didn't respond to my thing last night that said, "Hey, did you know there's a new season of The Crown?" And she <laughs> didn't respond. So I'm gonna not respond and leave her a little bit on ice. Um, I love you, mom, so much. And the reason I, I can kind of give her a little bit of a hard time is because I know she does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> because she'll ask me, be like, "Aaron, what do you love about the podcast?" I'm like, "Mom, what do you love about the podcast?" And she'd be like, "I don't know." I haven't seen it. Yeah, the other day she said to me, I'm going to ask Aaron to sit down and watch all the Battle Ready podcasts with me. And I, and I said, honey, do you know how many of them there already are? She goes, there's like a lot? And I said, yes. <laughs> you have to understand my mother and I relationship. She there's, loves you. She, she loves me so much, you. but there's nothing in this world I could do to make her proud of me. <laughs> that would be quite a challenge. <laughs> so with that said, we are going to jump into today's topic. I think we're going to title this Nothing wasted. Oh, I love that. I, I I love it too. But it's something that a message you gave, a, a phrase you said, probably ten years ago. No, no, ten five? years ago. I, Has you know, it I, been I that have long? no. I have no sense no, of chronology. It might have been like seven, seven years ago. But you gave a message called "Nothing Wasted." Yeah, it's been kind of a sub theme that we've used. But you are working on a new line. I am, which is exciting. It is. It is a very exciting. It, should I give a bit of the background and then we jump into to it? Or do you want to just go straight for it? No, sure. It? Give a little background. Okay. So 
so I was, I guess it was, I would have just been leaving college to go work for you mm-hmm. almost 10 years, no, 10, 10 years ago now. 10 years ago. And, and you had started a, you had started kind of a little bit of a project mm-hmm. doing, you were creating kind of a studio. You weren't quite sure what you were going to do. You wanted to make commercials and films. Like the idea was to make films. You wanted to make graphic novels. You wanted to get into f- fashion. And you had brought um, some guys on who were doing kind of clothing and bags and things. And so you you had kind of developed this thing and it grew into what it was called McManus Studios, mm-hmm. which is pretty exciting. It was awesome. Really interesting. And it went from like this little apartment above i remember because i would spend a lot of time in there cleaning this little apartment above like a, a store bodega by usc in the kind of the hood of downtown it la was, it was really a dump the it floor was, was uneven the floor was uneven we, we had roller chairs and if you didn't hold onto the table you literally rolled to the other part of the room it was that that uneven we did not start glamorously no and and i was in college and i don't know if i was like just a loyal son or if i just was like i caught the vision or if i just really wanted to get out of school but you kind of you would basically be like hey you can come and clean the offices while i was in college mm-hmm. and then within a year you had i think 15 plus people working for you you probably had like a 10,000 square foot office space in this beautiful loft in downtown or in the arts district in the arts district yeah. we also ended up with a place in new york in trebecca place in new york and you had offices in New York and in LA, and you, I think, what, 20 plus people working for you, developing. Probably by the time, three years, within three years, we had 40 to 50 people working for so us. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and you had a bag line, and you had you were mm-hmm. working in men's suiting, which a lot of people don't know, and you were kind of buying and selling and acquiring mm-hmm. these creative companies mm-hmm. and infusing creative direction in kind of your business side, and then, and then, and then releasing to the world. And, and you were kind of letting me dabble and learn, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure what my role was, but I definitely cleaned a lot of, I cleaned the offices a lot. So with that Your said- Your role was number one son. Number one son, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, although I do remember like we, so, so with that, the company ended and that's a whole, that's a whole nother episode in of itself, how it ended. Right. But you were a businessman. You've yeah. always been a businessman. I've I, always been an entrepreneur. Always yeah. been an entrepreneur. And so the church has been something you've always been a part of, but mm-hmm. you've always been a part of the, the business world. Yeah, absolutely. And so now that we're going into this space where you're starting a new company, mm-hmm. are we going to say the name of what it's called? Uh, well, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you should. I think we should yeah. jump into I'll it. I'll explain it. Okay, I'll you'll explain, explain it. it. But yeah. so, so this year you're going to launch... A new collection. Not just this year. This, yes. I'm going to say it this week. This week? This Friday. Okay. That's why you got to get on phone with my website developer guy. Yeah. <laughs> Who keeps texting me saying, I want to help. Okay. So yeah, that's a thing. Um, I've got some work to do. This, but, is, this is a part of starting from scratch. So you're starting. So this episode will probably go out tomorrow and you're going to drop something probably Friday. If I Yeah. If everything comes together... Um, if if the the blue moon and the, the Friday thirteenth do not have a negative effect on my launch, stop it! You're sounding like a girl from West Hollywood right now. I can't deal with that. Go get your kombucha and walk barefoot to the beach, please. Um, I'm just gonna say it. we're gonna launch this Friday. It's gonna be a private launch this Friday. I have. I can, if you're watching YouTube, you watched my face just now. There is a, a certain level of stress that has just overwhelmed my body. Yes, because and all the things I'm, that actually matter in developing this company, you pretty much have been managing. Yeah, I actually dipped out of the the group text that, that it was stressing you it was out, stressing me out, and I was trying to get away this weekend and just just re, you know st- maybe hit a reset. But I want to talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever the world falls apart, you start new things. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. 10 years ago, it was economic It was crisis. 2008 with the, uh, the depression or the recession that right. happened across the United States. Yeah. And uh, on a church side, I think we went from like 42 staff people to nine. And I watched thousands of people leave LA and tens of thousands of people lose their jobs. And, and what a lot of people don't know is that the economic crisis happened right after a writer's strike. Yeah, there so, was a one-year writer's strike here in LA. So people were losing their jobs everywhere. And the industry was shut down in LA. And that was 2007. Yeah. And then when the depression hit in 2008 and, there, and the market crashed and the whole banking system fell apart, 
uh, L.A. just became uh, just this. It was a ghost town. It was, yeah, it was pretty traumatic. And uh, thousands and tens of thousands of people were leaving the city. I saw so many people losing their jobs. And I thought one of the things I can do is I can start a company and I can help create jobs. And I think sometimes we under underestimate the importance of the ability to create work for people. And, and that's one of the things I think people don't understand is that governments cannot create work for people, that only, only private individuals, companies, businesses, small businesses, and big businesses can create work for people. Well, there's a lot of people who would disagree with you and say that the government sh can create a lot of jobs for well, people. Well, the problem is that it's, it's an illusion because the government doesn't make a profit. So every time it employs someone, it's actually taking money out of someone's pocket. When I start a company, I'm not taking money out of someone's pocket to make my company work. I'm actually creating wealth or creating revenue. And, and so there's a free exchange of goods. The government doesn't have a free exchange of goods. And that's, and that's just reality. That's just the way the system works. We don't want a government that is a for-profit organization necessarily. <laughs> and uh, we want a government that, um, that creates an environment for the private citizen to achieve their greatest capacity, the greatest potential. And, uh, but anyway, so 2008, everything, the world fell apart. And so I started a company and one by one by one, we, we kept growing and we focused on film. We did documentaries, we did commercials. Uh, we, we did some pre-work with uh, feature films and investments in there, in that area. And then uh, we opened up a fashion line and had a second fashion line and then had a third brand added in the first two or three years. Um, and then also then I took over this tech company in, um, in I forgot about the, that. In the, the South. And so that was another 40, 50 employees. And um, part of what happened there is they had lost 20, I think $20 million in one year. They brought me in to um, reassess the company and help restructure it. And it became profitable and lasted a year after that. And that's how I ended up managing that. And uh, so all these things kind of happened uh, during that time. And then they came to an abrupt end. And we won't spend time on that today. Um, but um, what I would say is that we had a company that was growing really fast. It, it was incredibly profitable. We had our, our strongest quarter when everything came to an end. And um, so a lot of times your greatest danger isn't failure. Sometimes your greatest danger is success. And it's and in, interesting. And everything came to end for me in the middle of my greatest success. And I remember because I think I was I was in New York at our factories a lot mm -hmm. and working with some of our team there. And so I was on the other side of the country and I flew back in town. I think you maybe you had said like, hey, when do you get back? And I fly in, we go to breakfast and you're like, look, it's over. Yeah, it was tough. And it was tough. And we've talked, you've talked about that a bit mm -hmm. um, in different talks that you've given and, and you've kind of told that story, but, but to save time, um, when you decided to start this new thing up, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Yeah, you did not, at first you did not want me to do this because it was hard for you to go back to something that you felt was yes. so traumatic and so painful when you were younger. It was, yeah. And, and on both sides, I think, <laughs> I, it, but that doesn't matter. But you still love the arena. You still love fashion. You I still, still love, love clothing. Film, you know? Yeah, I still love clothing. So I think you were always torn between a love for those industries and a hatred for the traumatic experience <laughs> that you had. I think I had just had such a bad taste in my mouth when we left. I was like, I don't really, I think we're, you know, what is it? Is that, is that conversation in, in Goodwill Hunting where I think Casey Affleck is sitting in the back seat and they had just got burgers and then they want to go and go get in a fight. And he's like, why? We could have fought them back there, but now we have snacks now. Like, why would we go? And I'm like, we're happy. We're good. Why are we, why are we, why are we going to go start something else and, and, and potentially, but with that said, yeah. you are starting something new. Yes, and a part of it is when we hit 2020. Yes. Or, or when 2020 hit us. Yes. Because it, it, when I say when we hit 2020, I, I don't know if we're the windshield or the mosquito, but, um, but I think that 2020, we were the mosquito and the year was the windshield, and a lot of us felt like we just got splattered everywhere. And I watched people just really traumatized. I saw the pandemic um, not just take people's lives, um, but create a culture of fear. And, yeah. I, and I actually think the health in effect of the pandemic was less significant than the fear effect of the pandemic. Uh, we now have a culture of fear, and people are paralyzed, and they're afraid, and they're, um, 
and they're self-limiting. Yeah. And at the same time, then we went to quarantine with this economic lockdown, and I watched, and and the economic lockdown, I knew, and I think time has proven this to be true, that big companies are not affected by the lockdown. It's the small business owner that's really being devastated by it. So what you have is, um, and actually, if you look at it, the the poorest uh, in America are not affected by the pandemic as much because there were already structures that in place, and even though their lives are not great. It's the, it's that that group of people that were small business owners that were too successful to be taken care of by the government, but not successful enough to uh, not wake up every morning sweating whether you're going to have an income. And that's who's been devastated across our country. And that really is the driving force economically of um, of our future. So I, I want to talk about your company. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Why I, did you start this collection? <laughs> One, I told Kim, in this pandemic, I'm going to start three, four, five different uh, enterprises. I feel like whenever people are paralyzed, that's when you move forward. When everyone stops, that's when you advance. So I already had this posture. I started interacting with different businessmen. I started looking at different um, domains, whether it was uh, in some area of business or fashion or film or um, publishing. I just wanted to create. And I started looking at multiple areas. In some places, like we started, you and I even started some projects, and then we uh, ended up, it didn't work. We had a couple of misses along the way. I don't know even know what you're talking about. Oh, like the, uh, the project uh, with Chris that we were looking at. Oh. And... You know, we thought it was going to blow up and do really great. And next thing we knew, it was all falling apart before we even got going. No comment. And so we had several things like that along the way, but those don't stop me. So I looked and I said, I have always wanted to redeem the story that I was um, of being in the fashion industry. I've never been able to shake it. And I love creating art through clothes. It's just a part of who I am. Yeah. And I... Um, I think it's it's a it's a fascinating like place to tell stories as well because really everything we do in life is like telling the human story, and and so I thought I'm going to go back to the fashion industry. I have this warehouse downtown that I've had for ten years of all of this material, this vintage repurposed material that your mom has been trying to get me to get rid of for 10 years. I know, because I've, I've secretly moved in the middle of the night when you're like, she's going to try to give it away. You oh, got to gotta move. You got to move. It's got to move. And people would call me and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but there's somebody here to, to buy your stuff that your wife is selling. And I had to stop it. I had to stop the sales because Kim just wanted me to get rid of this stuff. She goes, it yeah. smells horrible. And it's, it's old. It does smell horrible. And it is old. Like the process you have to go through to make it. I mean, it's a, almost 100 years old. Yeah, the process you have to go to make it smell nice is is it's a lot, and <laughs> I mean it was so like we've worked with this material for so long. I literally had to sell my car after we were done with the company <laughs> ten years ago because it it smelled like vintage yeah. like vintage military canvas, and I could not. And not even just to add to it, the cost of storing that material for the last ten years. I've paid to store that material for ten years, believing that there would be a day yes. where I was going to use that material again. And Kim, just like, honey, you just got to put it away. You got to get rid of it. You got to move on. And and even you told me, like, get rid of it, sell it. Yeah, just I mean, move been on. Approached by big companies or yeah. or companies that we bought it from, they were like, hey, big companies would like to buy this from you, and we're like, no. Yeah, because once it's gone, there's no more. There's no more, and that's yeah. what makes this stuff really unique. Yeah. With that said, is that part of the story of nothing wasted? It is. So uh, I did a message years ago called "Nothing Wasted," and it's really based around the story of Moses's life and how I looked at his life and I thought, wow, here's a guy filled with tragedy and trauma, and it's not until he's 80 years old where he finally like finds his purpose and meaning in life. And I thought, I don't want to live for 80 years. Talk about a wasted life. And, uh, and, and then I started looking at how all throughout his life, nothing was wasted. Not the pain, not the suffering, not the disappointment, not the failure, and not, not, not the isolation, not the paralysis, not the time. All of that was somehow redeemed. And, and then I started doing this, and I got triggered because I was at this event in um, uh, Carmel, and it's like 500 of the world's like leading thinkers. It's like TED, but maybe a little bit more concentrated. It's like what TED used to be, kind of. Yeah. And so I was there with all these, I guess, you know, cultural savants, and this environmental, no, this photographer showed this photograph of an orangutan that died on a log over a river in the jungle. And he said, we came back 
uh, we moved the body of the orangutan off the log onto the side. Then we came back um, days later to see what happened. And the orangutan had been completely eaten by ants. And this photographer took these series of photographs. He said, because in nature, nothing is wasted. Hmm. And when he said that, I thought, look at that. In nature, nothing is wasted. Why? Because all of nature is a reflection of God's ethic. And then I started processing the going, isn't it odd that in creation, nothing is wasted. Everything finds a way to create life. The only ingredient that we really have that doesn't do that is plastic. And plastic is created by man and not by God. And, and so I want to say, I, I started thinking, I wonder how many of us are living plastic lives that actually don't create life even out of our sacrifice. But because we're created by God, everything we've been through, if we allow God to work through us, we'll actually create life. So I wanted to create a, a line that had this theme, that yes. nothing's wasted. Yes. And, and so I started looking at all this repurposed material and then other vintage material, and we just started, um, uh, you know, our little group of people are brought together, started looking for vintage and, um, Old stuff is what it used to be called, right? Stuff that others would throw away, things that are disposable. And, and I had this thought in my mind, I want to integrate the past, the present, and the future. I want to take things from the past that people consider to no longer have value. I want to do something in the present that brings those things into this moment, but I wanted the fashion and the, the perspective to push us into the future and to create something that people are going to want tomorrow. And, and I wanted to make this declaration that for everyone who's uh, struggling through 2020, uh, for everyone who feels like they lost a, a year of their life, um, you know, you're, you're single. I don't even know what it's like to, to be single in 2020 where you're going, wait a minute, how do you date? How do you move forward? How Not do you meet fun. the right person? Impossible. And, right, you, you really know, hard. and I don't what know if agree. you felt that, Brian, you know, this, this, can uh, I get like an I, amen? I, I amen. <laughs> of, of, that's wasted, right? And, and then for a lot of people, they, they lost their jobs, they lost their careers, they lost their businesses, and, and it just feels like this year yeah, it has been wasted for so many people. And I wanted to come out and say, no, not even 2020. Nothing is wasted because when God works in the middle of that, he redeems even those, um, those moments and those materials that you feel like are disposable. And the phrase that keeps coming back, and this is a, a very kind of like a biblical concept, is that um, in the Bible, it talks about the years devoured by the locust. And when I was in my 30s, I had a tough decade. And you know, you were a kid and you, ex you experienced that through me. For about five, six years, I had a twitch in my right eye. I mean, it was just a brutal season of my life. And I remember getting to the end of the 30s thinking, I just lost the most important years of my life. I, I, I just lost this decade. My life will never amount to anything meaningful or significant. Mm. And then I was 40 years old and I wrote my first book, An Unstoppable Force, and it won an award and suddenly had an impact that was unexpected. And I felt like what God told me at 40 was, you thought that the 30s were wasted, but with me, nothing's wasted. And I'm going to redeem all of that. And I felt like in one year, God redeemed the years that were devoured by the locusts. And I want to say that to everyone who's listening, even though that may be a, a metaphor you're not used to, that 2020 may feel like a year that was devoured by the locust. It may feel like a year that has just been eaten away and taken away from you. And you may feel depressed or anxious or stressed or, or just filled with sadness because um, so many things you were hoping for have just been put on lockdown. And when you know when a government decides to quarantine you or to lock you down, they're not just keeping you in your house protecting you from a virus. They're actually keeping you from your future. They're keeping you from your dreams. They're keeping yeah. you from your hopes. Yeah. They're keeping you from all those things that make life worth the living. And I wanted to make a declaration. So in this line, uh, not just by the materials that I'm choosing, and but also the statements that we're making that we want to say to everyone, nothing's wasted. 2020 will be redeemed and, and it'll, it'll have an impact on 21, 22, 23, 25, 30 going forward. I love it. So let's talk about the name. The name. <laughs> I love that. Do you like you guys love that? You like that, Brian? Oh yeah. Um, nothing wasted, but that's not the name. That's no, just the theme. It's a theme within the name, so and there's the name? little sub themes the name. along the way. Well, Talk about the name. I'm kind of coming out with three. Give me a name. <laughs> I have I to explain hear it. You say the name. I, I do nothing simple. 
Holy. I do nothing man. simple. All right. Ow. So there, there, there are different expressions Yo. of this line that are coming out right now. <laughs> Should I start with... No, no, just tell me what the name is, please. Well, I went counter to great marketing. Well, the name of my company is very simple. Yes. It's just Erwin Raphael McManus. There we go. <laughs> we got a name, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. But let me explain. All right. Okay. So uh, there's there's a, a, a signature line in the collection that's Erwin mm -hmm. Raphael McManus, yes. and that's my really high end luxury collection. And it's going to be priced at a pretty high price point. Yes, it will be. Yes. Once you finish paying taxes on it, it probably will push to two Before grand. Before taxes, it's <laughs> yeah. Oh, two grand. Yeah. So can can we address this right now? Can we address this right now? Because first off. That's it's worth a lot more. <laughs> See, I love that. I love that. See, I, I, I like nice things. Our bag company that we had 10 mm -hmm. years ago, bags were very expensive. And that yeah. was 10 years ago. I mean, that would probably be the equivalent of we were selling bags for like $1,500 to $2,500 bags. They were all vintage. They were all yeah. made in Los Angeles. And that was back when it was actually really hard to make things locally. Yeah, it was. Um, because there, because if you like the history of LA, like there's oh, denim's always been a thing here. Uh, Louis Vuitton used to be a thing in LA mm -hmm. too, but there was kind of this drought where everything was like film, mm -hmm. and nothing yeah. was really fashion except for like denim and a few different like wash houses. Now there's so much clothing and apparel and fashion, mm -hmm. high end, middle, lower, which is amazing. Right. And kind of LA's had this resurgence. You were making everything out of Los Angeles. Everything is being made in the United States, in LA. And then your your signature line is pretty much all vintage, like upcycle, repurposed. repurposed uniquely made. Um, they're limited. Super limited. Super limited. Like and you're dropping a jacket, two jackets that you only made 10 of each. Yes, I have a, a trench coat that's coming out that's, I think, absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. It's so uh, unique, and it's made out of the repurposed World War II material. And uh, yeah, and it's going to run around $2,000. And then I have an Anorak uh, parka uh, made out of repurposed material. That's I'm excited about both of them, but <laughs> but the Anorak yeah. is going to go in like two seconds. Everything's gone. And and the thing is that, you know, when you look at, when I when Kim said, these are beautiful, how much are you going to sell them for? And I said, they're going to be around $2,000. She said, you can't sell something for that much. And she was really upset with me. And, and I said, here's the dilemma is that, well, one, she knows because, you know, she... She's married to me, and you know I'm, I'm a pastor, and she's she knows the kind of hate that you get if you sell anything for more than twenty five dollars, you know, because in Christianity you're not supposed to create luxury, and you're not supposed to create things that are actually of high value. No. So we've we've helped create this um this disposable culture, this fast fashion, Christianity in America with its um, I think misunderstanding of quality has created this fast fashion where we just buy things that are super cheap and throw them away. Which and is which is always like an irony to me and a dark a dark reality because we, we as Christians will um, knock buying something really nice mm -hmm. made in a place where nice things are made by people who are paid paid a fair wage, mm -hmm. but we'll tr but we'll but we'll buy things that are cheap yeah. made by children. Like, like you you wonder how fast fashion happens, and not all of it. This is not a knock on all of it, but you research a lot of fast fashion and where it's made and how it's yeah. made, and all of the lawsuits and discoveries around fast fashion and how mm -hmm. they're able to make it as cheaply as they do. So it is an irony that Christians care about end, ending like children's slavery in right. the world, but then they don't they don't appreciate things that are nice and made by people who are paid a fair wage. So am I, did I make the connection? Well Absolutely. And, and I'm paying everyone what they're worth, except for you. I'm not paying you anything. No, but <laughs> we talked about it yesterday, actually. No, no, but I'm not knocking anyone who buys yeah. fast fashion. That's not mm -hmm. the thing I'm knocking. I'm knocking the judgmental people who, who knock uh, high-end luxury goods. Yeah. And, and I always, um, I've always w wanted to make some pieces that are timeless. I want a jacket that you would pass on to your son, that you would pass on to your grandson. I want, I want a piece that, um, one day you go, okay, in 50 years, this is going to be worth more. I guarantee you that this trench coat in, in this parka will be worth more in the years to come than it is when you buy it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And because can you imagine in 2040 when you have a, a trench coat made from material made during World War II in um, 1940 
in uh, what something in, in 2042 will be worth when something was it was actually constructed from 1842, uh, 1942, which to me is pretty exciting. So those two pieces are pretty um, pretty pricey. And and in my mind, and I learned this years ago, um, I remember I was with this guy who had this $9 billion house in Arkansas. I mean, Nine billion? $9 million Nine billion, house yeah, in yeah. Arkansas. So you can imagine how massive this was because yeah, it was yeah. in Arkansas. Because a normal house in Arkansas costs like $180,000. Right. So this was outside yes. of uh, Little Rock. And and he put the house for sale. And I, I remember I was young, yeah. right? I, and I was overwhelmed. I've never seen a house that big or property. And I said, who in the world is going to buy a house in Little Rock for $9 million? And this billionaire guy looked at me and goes, I only need one. <laughs> and I realized well, he thinks differently than me. Like, <laughs> I, I, that wouldn't even occur to me. You only need right. one right. person to right. buy that house. I, right. and, and so as I make these pieces, I remind myself, I only need 10. I only need 10 people who see this trench coat and go, wow, this is timeless. This is beautiful. I have to have this. I can afford this. I only need 10 people who look at this interact, look at this park and go, wow, this is beautiful. I have to have this. Yeah. And, and, and I think like to be, to be really clear, we're having this mm-hmm. conversation because yeah. I think it's not a disclaimer and it's not a forewarning, but I do think it is us getting people comfortable again with seeing us as not just people who are part of a church. Because I really do not like being defined as a pastor. Like I really, I, I like it. It, it really bothers me. Yeah. And I got a DM this week, which is really interesting. To my personal <laughs> DM, I was taking some time off last week. Here we week. go. The DM section. No, because I, I think I think I think we're gonna have to break some of it down. Yeah. No, that's is good. Um, it was it was pretty like condescending. Yes. It was, you know, basically, it was. Should I read it? I should read it. Using the platform that God gave you guys to promote your business, quote unquote, when will pastors learn it's not about you? You is all caps. So I think you're talking about you because I'm little caps. I'm small caps, lowercase. (laughs) You're big you, I'm little you. I said, ironically, says the anonymous business profile that's DMing me. Uh, But it brought up a really good question for me. Because one, it wasn't bad already, and it was mm-hmm. in reference to our last podcast where we were talking about to talking to Joshua Rhodes mm-hmm. about his business. I love this stuff <laughs> because in the past I realized if I let people hate on me and it hurts me, which sometimes it does, it takes like, I'm giving it power. But mm-hmm. when when we use this as like a place to have discussion, I think it's really good. Yeah. I I responded and said, I'm a businessman who builds the church. Yeah. Just because you only see me as a pastor does not mean that's what I am. Mm-hmm. I, you don't define me. and But you had an interesting thing about this last night. You said this to me. You were talking about like limiting your, the perception of who we are. Yeah, I think one thing for me was um, I was always a businessman. I was always an entrepreneur. I always worked outside the church. Uh, Kim and I were always the biggest givers to the church pretty much. And, um, and so being a pastor was not my vocation. It was my passion. Yeah. But it wasn't my occupation. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because this is more biblical because Paul in the Bible was a tent maker. And he... Well, what was Jesus? And, well, he was a stonemason or a carpenter. Interesting. And so they all had occupations, and then they lived their lives through that occupation and outside of that to honor God and to um, bring hope to the world. And no one ever met with Paul saying, hey, wait a minute, how are you a tent maker and an apostle? Well, we could even just expand <laughs> this a little bit. Well, what and I, you... I think he made really great tents from repurposed World War II material. <laughs> That's actually amazing. You really did bring that one home. You connected it all the way thousands of years ago to right now. But if Paul was under the scrutiny of American Christianity, he'd have to make really, really lousy tents yeah. <laughs> and the low quality, sell them at some kind of like Kmart um, no, level. No, we love, I love Kmart. We would, yeah, we would have Kmart's to be, awesome. it would, it would, this is the thing that was like, like, I love stores like that because, because I talked to someone recently that yeah. said, Hey, I work for, um, like an old Navy. Yeah. And I was like, when I was young, you were an old Navy I, model. I loved, I loved old, <laughs> I loved old Navy because yeah. that was where we could afford to buy. And, and we so bought I, so many things all the time. Yeah, Every Christmas but, we're but, there. <laughs> yeah. You're feeling bad because you're not Kmart, but it was because, because, but it was because that's what we could afford. So it was like, yeah. we never, we never knock those things. We, we know, you, no, saying, not at all. What you're trying to say, though, is that basically the reality is that if you sold anything as a as a as a, as a Christian now, not as a but mm-hmm. like as a, you have to like almost hide your faith to be a businessman 
in front of Christianity. Yeah. We want every great filmmaker to suddenly become a Christian, but we don't really want Christians to become great filmmakers. You know, we want every big music star to become a Christian, but we don't really want Christians to become big music stars. It's it's kind of an odd kind of uh, space. We they just ha they just have to be um, lost until they're famous for us to really like them. It's interesting. And uh, and and I think it's it's just there's something like uh, it's just something off. There's just something broken the way we think in our psyche. So I um, I'm definitely creating some things that are high-end luxury, they're, they're high value, they're timeless, and I'm doing it um, unapologetically because that's really how I see art. And I want things that are, I want people to wear my art and, and I want them to feel great about themselves and um, when they're wearing it and, and I want it to be a statement. And I think it's amazing. And, and, I've, and I just shot it yesterday, like I shot the initial photos mm -hmm. for it and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. The stuff is amazing. It's it's and the quality is amazing. And you're you're talking with, you know, the president of YSL. You're talking with Jerry. You're talking with, like, minds that 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 this all they this is all they think about. I called everyone in the fashion industry, text them that, that I know. knew. Yeah. And uh, and because the greatest level of intelligence is communal. When you're you're letting other really intelligent people inform your thinking. And, yeah. and and so I have several pieces there. I have this um, these these pants that are being made out of 1950 French motorcycle chaps, and they're going to be some really beautiful pants. I have the pants I'm wearing right now. These are vintage um, pants with uh, World War II patches on them, which are all authentic and uh, super comfortable too. I've got this. Uh, uh, shirt jacket kind of piece that um, is made from vintage pieces and integrated together, which is going to be really, really exciting. It's going to, I think, going to be really beautiful. I'm really excited to kind of break down. This is the beginning. And, and, and the reason why I think we're going into this, because I think it's there's so many young people starting businesses, so many young, old, all alike starting companies. And we need that, like the, not just not just as Americans or, or as Christians, but as just humanity. We need to be seen and seeing each other as providers and generators of income and of businesses. And this is a city of independent contractors. So the fact that we get to be a part of this story and narrative, I absolutely love it. So we got to, we got to, we're going to come back to this and we're going to break down some of the pieces. Is that cool with you? That sounds great. I just think the uh, focusing on creating out of crisis is such a good thing. I think so too. And and we'll maybe break down a little bit of how to start from scratch as well. Maybe that's the title of this episode: creating out of cri crisis. Creating out of crisis. Yeah, I love it. Okay. All right, we'll pick up in a little while. Yep. We are back. My name is Aaron McManus, and you are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. We are continuing the conversation on your new line. Right, but really, we're not talking about my new line yet. We're talking about the philosophy of work. Yes. We're, we're talking about, is it ethical for pastors to actually be businessmen, or is it ethical for businessmen to actually be pastors? And I, I think we have this bizarre idea that, um, one, that if you're a pastor that you're not supposed to have any other interests or any other talents or any other endeavors. And what's fascinating to me, as we said earlier, was that Paul was a tent maker. He never stopped making tents when he became the principal apostle for the movement of Jesus. So I figure if Paul, one, is um, not only permitted but expected to make a living by being a tent maker while he's leading the entire movement of Jesus, then I think it's okay for uh, us to be entrepreneurs, businessmen, uh, filmmakers, fashion designers, writers, whatever occupation. There's also accountants, you. lawyers. There's well, all those, the those require real skill. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and, uh, okay. That requires math. Yeah. And actually, I, strangely enough, I love math. So this is my question. <laughs> If we're allowed, are we allowed to do both? Will people allow us to do both? Mm -hmm. Will public perception allow us to do both? But but will more than anything, the church allow us to do both? That's a great because uh, you made a statement yeah. that our our lovely um, uh, producers, well, we everyone knows Brian. They don't know Brooke yet. They don't know Brooke. We have Brooke back there. She's the genius behind the wall. We have Brooke and Brian, and 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 Brooke keeps us whole. She fact checks us. She corrects she us, us when honest. we're wrong. She keeps us honest. Not that we want to be dishonest. 
But sometimes in our imagination, things just get said, and then they're like, wait, well, no, that wasn't true. Sometimes there are facts involved, <laughs> and they and get we, in the way of the conversation. And we usually get those facts wrong. Brooke's here to make sure we do those better. Um, so she brought something up. You made a, a statement mm -hmm. earlier in our podcast that um, that you're not your occupation is not a pastor, right? That I that's, said that's my passion. That's your passion, right? So just so that the 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 headline is clear, can you quote yourself again? What I said is that being a pastor has never been my occupation, and being a pastor has been my calling to the mission of Jesus, and I've had many different ways of making that happen. But most of my life, I had to be a businessman. I had to be an entrepreneur. I had to work outside because the mission I took on could not finance my role. And I think this is a part of the interesting dilemma of it is that um, when people talk about, well, pastors shouldn't work or have businesses, you're coming from somewhere in the Midwest or Deep South where churches actually pay their pastors. Yes. And, uh, and uh, I, well, well, I, I don't well, think you understand that yeah. the first 10 years of my life, I worked with the urban poor, and they could not afford having a pastor. So I had to work a full-time job to be a pastor among uh, very um, underserved people who were struggling with poverty. When I came to L.A., um, this is not an impoverished city as a whole, although we have a huge homelessness problem. But frankly, um, Hollywood does not finance church life or, or pastors. And right. we've talked about this, that um, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, there does seem to be a direct correlation between people who are on the right and more conservative and, uh, and how generous they are to giving to nonprofits and um, to churches and to non-church nonprofits. And people on the left tend to give less to churches and to nonprofits. And so what's interesting is I felt a particular calling to Los Angeles and even to Hollywood, to people who were on the far left. And so we may serve 40,000 people every week, but we have less than 800 who actually give. And what, what percentage of this, and this is not knocking, like, this is a, it's a great conversation to have because I was, I was actually having this conversation over lunch with a new friend mm -hmm. of mine. I'll leave him nameless, but we, we just got connected because we did mm -hmm. the Minimalist podcast and then, they, right. and then he connected us, Joshua, from, from there and, and then was like, you need my friend and then we jumped on and I was like, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, he was like super kind. He, he like introduced himself over email and I just sent him my number and was like, let's just, let's just hang right away. So we grabbed lunch. But he was, he, we were talking about... Um, like churches and profitability. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, that's something that makes me really feel uncomfortable. He brought up this idea uh, that he doesn't like that churches have to, that churches have to talk about profit, that churches talk about profitability behind the scenes. And I'm like, no, no, I, yeah, you could, you can call it profitability. No, we talk about sustainability, but not profitability. Well, I was going to just yeah. call it survival. <laughs> like, like you have to, like at, at some point you have to talk about like more money has to come in than, than, than goes out or, yeah. or you, or people don't have jobs. Right. And if right? you don't provide something that people need, then you will cease to exist. Yeah, and especially in this era. Yeah. But but my point is, when I decided to take on this particular mission, or when I felt called to this particular mission, I knew that the church would not become the basis to finance uh, my role in starting Mosaic. That I had to work outside the church, and uh, but I didn't want to work for someone because then your time is owned by that person in a sense. So I couldn't. Here I am, I have to work, but I can't work for someone because I need to have the flexibility and freedom to do what the church needed me to do. So that gave me one real option. I had to be an entrepreneur. I had to start things from scratch. I had to create things that allowed me to shape them in a way where I could do this work that I thought was so important. And then in the Christian world, you end up getting penalized because you're creative and you're actually generative. So I, I, I want to just, before we talk about the line specifically, I want to just deal with this, this I think, unhealthy philosophy that, um, in fact, this yesterday when we were working on the line, one of the guys who's working with us said, it seems like Christians have two postures. A pastor should not work outside of the church, but shouldn't take money from the church. And, uh, and then if you work outside then they feel like, no, now you're a criminal because you're taking money outside. He goes, so where are you supposed to actually like make a living? If you're not supposed to take money from the church for being a pastor, and you're not supposed to go make money outside the church by not being a pastor, where exactly are you supposed to 
um, to work to pay the bills. And I think we have to have a new thinking of this because when the quarantine, the pandemic, has changed the way churches are working. Hundreds of thousands of churches will not survive this. And many of the pastors whose incomes are completely dependent on the local church uh, will not have a job next year. And rather than bemoaning that or, or uh, feeling bad for myself, I thought this is a great time to go create rather than um, to sit in paralysis. But I also think this is the future. I think that I want businessmen to become pastors. I want artists to become pastors. I, I, I want designers to be pastors. I want entrepreneurs to be pastors. And I don't want their creative capacity to create wealth to somehow disqualify them from being pastors. That's the only way I could be in Hollywood, is that I have the capacity to create work and wealth outside of being a pastor. I think that's kind of awesome. And I think that we should also look back at history and go, the things that have sustained in the world of, let's say, art are the things that actually are almost priceless. I mean, you look at the Sistine Chapel. You, You're saying you, that they came from the church. They came through the church. They came from the church. They were, they were funded uh, by the church. They were, pa- they were patrons who funded... Um, Patrons, right, right. Yeah, who funded... But commissioned by the church, and, and commissioned, right? And yeah. many times commissioned by the church. And, and when you realize that um, there was always the sense that it was worth investing in art. It was worth investing in beauty. It was worth investing in things that were timeless. And I want to bring all that sensibility into everything I do, whether it's the work of the church or whether it's the work of filmmaking or storytelling or writing books or uh, fashion. I love that. I love that. I, I responded to that DM from that random person, which I, I love. Like, if it come at me, come at me in DMs, that's fine. But do it with your real name. Real name. All I ask. Do it with your real name. Because we don't get the luxury of being anonymous. No. And and the, <laughs> it was funny, too, because the person was, like, trying to create, like, a little bit of fear in me by, like, does it make you nervous that you don't know who this is? And I said, no, I'm going to rip you on bat already. <laughs> like, this is great. You're, like, you're giving me so much to work with right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep coming. But... But I, but, but business is not unethical. What, I didn't say what he said. He he yeah. said I, he asked me, you know, pastor teaching platform. Mm-hmm. I said no, I'm a business I'm a businessman who who wants to build a church. Right. But I wasn't saying I'm not a pastor. I wasn't trying to negate that. I was trying to say you're trying to project something on me. Like you're trying to you're trying to project this pastor equals poverty thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going no no like there's I'm not built like that. We're not <laughs> built like that. If, if, oh, I lived for years and years in poverty. But we don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I did, I didn't have a choice. Um, but it didn't make me more noble. And that's that's where people want to create a mythology. Right. And um, But also, like, you should, but, like, that's where I love Korean culture, because they genuinely want everyone to be successful. They want their pastors to be successful. They want businessmen to be successful. They're just kind of, like, like helping each other in the process. And I think we, we have this weird thing. Does it come from clarity? Does it come from like not feeling secure that we question everything that we don't trust organizations and institutions? Mm-hmm. Or is it the fact that we have a limited mindset of how we see the church mm-hmm. and that, and how we see people who work in the church and, and that's what's limiting our, our ability to see that they could create beautiful things. Is it? Yes. I, I Wait, think, what did I even ask? <laughs> I, I think what you're basically asking is, have we taken on some assumptions that are actually limiting us? Yes. And, and I think absolutely, um, we should be the best in the world at everything we do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I think some people will have the unique gifting and calling to create things that are available to every person uh, and create them at a really low cost for everyone. And I think that's beautiful. I think there's some people who are going to create things that I can never afford. And I think that's beautiful too. See, I, I hope that Art is not limited by my ability to purchase it. Like I have a friend, he makes world-class paintings. I wanted one of his paintings, um, and then I realized I can't even buy his his uh, you know postage stamp. <laughs> you know, there's a, and uh, I mean his art is so out of my league, and and I could have a couple of thoughts. You're a criminal, making art that costs millions of dollars. How dare you make art that is that outprices me? Or I can say, I'm so grateful there's someone out there that can buy that $10 million work of art or that $5 million work of art. You're, so not, that, you're not joking either. Like no, his, no. His so that work is, of art yeah, can yeah. exist in the world. And I don't want that to be limited by my capacity. 
Now, uh, I'm, I may have to just buy a, you know, a Prince one day. <laughs> I think it's the, it's the way you look at, at things too, right? Like we had this conversation the other day. I looked at a nice car and I said, oh, I'm going to own one of those, but I'm going to get in a different color. And you looked at me and you're like, you're going to own one of those and get a different color? And I was like, you'd want one of those? And I was like, yeah. And you kind of laughed. And it, we, we both see things and we're like, we, we, there's different desires. There's different things that you want. And, and, and I'm not like a nice car guy in that way. Like we have friends who have lots of nice cars and, and we, we like, well, you know, some of them are cool. Some of them are like, that's too many. And, but I look at it going like, you've taught me that we can achieve all things. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes I think people get bitter when they look at it and they go, I can't afford that. Why is it that expensive? It shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, no, like, you know, I can't afford, like, there are certain things I still can't afford, but I also don't look at it and go like, I'm less than because of it. I just go, oh, there's some things that I haven't achieved yet and I will achieve them in time. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who are so wealthy when they go on vacations with a bunch of guys, they invite me and I'm like, you don't realize what you're doing on a casual, you know, uh, three day is my like my annual salary and yeah, you know funny. and and so I kind of have to tap out and go hey guys I'm not available that weekend <laughs> or any weekend they're gonna cost that much money but you don't think less of them for doing it no and that's why I'm still their friends because you see I don't I don't look down on them because they have so much I don't create yeah. this this uh, self righteous judgmentalism that says I'm better than them because I'm less successful yeah. and uh, I uh, some of them are the most generous beautiful human beings I've ever known and they would take you if you wanted to go but and they would they, you're they, like I don't like to hunt so let me leave me out of this one in guy. a second they would they would pay for me but I don't I don't necessarily like those kind of relationships you know so anyways talking talking about this idea of can we do this? Are we allowed to do this? The answer is yes. I hope more people do. I do too. And like, can I, I'm going to give a quick shout out. I okay. really love that Jerry Lorenzo with Fear of God just um, unapologetically say, I'm creating a luxury line. I'm going to be the re- next the Ralph next Lauren. Ralph Lauren. Yeah. And, I, I, and I just love the fact that he loves Jesus. Yeah. And uh, his family, his kids, he's a great human being. And, yeah. and that he's going into that world to leave a fingerprint is a beautiful thing. And I see all the, the hate that he gets sometimes. So much hate. And, and I'm going, don't be angry just because he makes something you can't afford. <laughs> and Because uh, yeah. eventually that diffusion line is coming your way. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and you'll get to enjoy that. But, but what I see is that great art, great creativity affects everything. That eventually something beautiful that is so expensive, it actually influences everything in the market. I mean, he single-handedly has changed so many fits in the way that people wear clothes, the way that men wear clothes, especially Mm -hmm. on the West Coast, like internationally for sure. But like the West Coast did not dress well. Men did not (laughs) dress well. He really was like, I mean, they're, I'm trying to think. He definitely, I mean, the fact with that bomber, he didn't create the bomber. He made the bomber cool. Well, for, everything he touches, he makes cool. Yeah. And that's like his brilliance. Yeah. And, and, but I just want to give him a shout out because you see, I think that what he's done is he has courageously uh, destroyed the, the idea, stigma. the stigma yeah. that somehow if you are a person of faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, cre- you cannot create things that are luxurious or beautiful or, or expensive. And, and at the same time, I love what other people do when they make things super accessible where they're, um, you know, you have maybe the other side of it would be like Blake with, with Tom Shoes, who made shoes super accessible for everyone and, and, and did the, you know, the giveaway with shoes for those who one didn't for have one the one for model, one. Yeah. And, you know, Blake was a part of a community just like Jerry has been for many yeah. years. And, and I think those are two different expressions of creativity in the world of fashion and uh, yeah. doing something really amazing. So we're here. We we're about here. to launch this this fashion brand, um, and I was. You asked me, you were pressing what the name was, and um, and right now because this this is I don't even know this is season one. This is like season zero. <laughs> this is uh, this is the inaugural season. This is the season yeah. before the season, yeah. and so I just divided things in a really fun way for me because per- this is a personal expression of who I am. You know, yes. th- this is not a company. This is not a massive industry. Uh, what do you mean? Yes, it is a company. Well, right, I don't consider it a company until it makes money. And uh, right. <laughs> right, right now it's a personal endeavor of personal sacrifice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, okay. And uh, that's taking me deeper and deeper into debt. 
And, uh, and so the high-end signature line is Erwin Raphael McManus. The, the ready-to-wear kind of everyday uh, wear um, is Erwin. And I kind of joked saying this is – we have our first name basis in, uh, yeah. in this line. Like all, everything casual, sweatpants, yeah. that kind hoodies, of – Hoodies, those the, kinds of things. T-shirts. Everything that's connected to vintage and repurposing is under the, the themes of nothing wasted. But that's and, that's Erwin Raphael McManus. Yes, there's There's Erwin Raphael McManus yeah. and there's Erwin. Yes. So you kind of, which is really interesting because most people wait a while usually before they create, they usually create luxury first and then they do like a, a diffusion line. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry did Fear God, then he did Essentials. Right. Or Fog. Yeah. Fog, and then he did Essentials. You're kind of doing it at the same time and you're just, and you're like, like tiptoeing the water a little bit. You're like, here's some really expensive stuff. Yeah. And then here's like some really soft sweatpants, hoodie, and t-shirts. And they're actually like really incredible. <laughs> really, really incredible. And and yeah. the quality is there on both sides. I think it's all made in America, which is pretty incredible. It is. It is. Yeah. And 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 it's it's kind of for me, I'm like, I was like, don't do it at the same time. What are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm gonna do it at the same time because you really wanted I wanted to make it accessible for, for everyone. For everyone and for the people who really want to connect to the brand and want to connect to what you know what I've been doing throughout my life and and I didn't want to only have things that were so high end that everyone felt like gosh I wish I could have something but I can't afford anything yeah. so I wanted to create um, a collection that that gave people access uh, to the line and it and there's sort of there's super super high end there's sort of like midpoint and yeah. then there's you can afford this if you if you really want it it's still a little pricey but yeah. what I didn't want to do Nothing is so inexpensive that I'm competing with church swag. And I, I did- Church merch. Church merch, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to compete with church merch because yeah. like churches do great merch. In fact, churches are getting better and better at doing merch. Yeah. And Mosaic, we do great merch and other churches we love do great merch. And so I wanted everything that I offered to be a little bit like just a notch- um, um, A price point above. Price point above, yeah. right, yeah. You wanted to make sure you weren't competing with it. At the same time, you know, we've done a few battle-ready things. And we're, we're at the place now. We do McManus with Hillsong. We yeah. do obviously do Mosaic, but Mosaic's bigger than us or our family. That's yeah. that's like, that's our church. It's our home. and and But we have, like, influence, obviously. Like, we yeah. have influence on how some stuff looks. And, and mm-hmm. we don't do enough merch. We should do more. Um, we just drop stuff and then... But you always have a philosophy of limited units. Well, just limit... <laughs> I, like, my thing is, like... My thing is this. Make it real. I don't like, yeah, make it. I don't want to go everywhere and see everybody wearing the same thing I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Right? No? You disagree with me, Brooke? <laughs> Do women love matching? Depends on the woman, I guess. It depends on the woman. <laughs> depends on the woman, I guess. <laughs> what I mean is this, is that I just, yeah, I don't want it everywhere. So I want it, like, I want people to, like, mm-hmm. just get it when they can and then mm-hmm. us not have to worry about it all the time. I also don't want us to be focused on it that much. And I don't, we do it, like, once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. But, and Battery is going to drop some stuff. But, like, the way we're kind of posturing everything, mm-hmm. because McManus is a lot of places now in our life, Battery is kind of under... Yeah. ERM, which is Erwin Raphael, Mc- yeah. Raphael McManus. Which gives which, us some things that are a little more accessible for everyone who wants to be part of it. Yeah, and we kind of, yeah. everything's pretty much on champion and mm-hmm. like pretty, like yeah. lower price point, but still like, you know, it's still nice. It's, it's pretty still, sweet design. It's, it's pretty good. Des- I mean, it's pretty simple, but it's it's pretty good. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, like I, for me as a son, it stresses me out <laughs> because what you've said is we're dropping this on Friday, which gives me, today's pretty much over. So it gives me four, three days to get this thing finished um, for launch on Friday, which is awesome <laughs> and not awesome because I'm a control freak. Mm-hmm. Do you, you're much more in the vein of, of like, I have Pagan with, with a couple guys and you have done more in eight weeks than we've done in two years. You do have a little <laughs> bit bigger of a budget. I will say that, but, <laughs> but you, your ability to not be held back by uncertainty is brilliant. How do we achieve that? Well, I think there's quite a few things. Do we want to save that conversation for maybe part two, launching on Friday? So we're probably we're at an hour of the whole so let's podcast. End it here. So you, we, I mean, do you want to tease? Yeah, I think that's that good. Have? Yeah, it's fine. Um, um, yeah, this is us trying to figure out what we're going to talk about next episode, and what we're going to talk about next episode is the question I just asked him. So what I think we'll do in the next episode, sure, is um, we'll premiere some clothing. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll give you a sneak peek because where else am I gonna um, 
debut my new line except on battle ready this is this, this is you are our people and out there yeah and then also i think what i'll do is i'll maybe i'll talk about what allows you what what helps you to move fast how do you deal with uncertainty how do you deal with the early elements of starting something new yeah and uh, and then the other questions you or or who our listeners might have i love it i love it and if 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 this makes you feel uncomfortable just wait till you see the prices of that jacket you will be angry you will be upset but no wait till you see the jacket yeah but wait till you see the jacket <laughs> and then it, you'll realize it's really amazing <laughs> it's really like you've done a great job with it and i'm really excited the we, price is an insult to the sacrifices made yeah i keep saying it's expensive and you keep going it's worth so much more yeah and it really is like we're talking about this the value of the actual garment like you cannot get this gar like you cannot get this fabric anywhere in the world. It's almost a hundred years old. This thing is actually priceless. Like this is something you will literally never give away. And to me, these are legacy pieces. They're pieces that you just stay say with your family. They go to your son. They go to your grandson. Yeah, um, and that's that is like a uniqueness that I think is really special. Okay, we're gonna roll out of this. We, you were listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. My name is Amy McManus. I'm here with my dad, Erwin McManus, and we want to thank you for listening. We are really excited for episode two, part two of this. That will be coming out on Friday. Also, be looking for Erwin Raphael McManus, the new line from my dad, which I'm really <laughs> excited about. And and this is what I love about this podcast. So you can rate and review it on iTunes and five stars, four stars. No, no, four stars, five stars. Um, you can listen to it on Spotify. You can watch on YouTube. This next episode, if you're listening on wherever you're listening, come check it out on YouTube and see the photos of the new line. Also, um, check out Battery Podcast on Instagram, and you can email us, Aaron, at batteriepodcast.com. Uh, let's jump into this. I love Battery. We start from scratch, and we talk about it. Let's go into the next episode. <laughs>